Hey everyone, I'm Amanda. And I'm Allie. We are so glad you have joined us today. Our podcast is a platform for women to share their stories. We have a different woman share her story on the first of every month. Sometimes we laugh, sometimes we cry, but in the end, it's always encouraging. Be sure to hit subscribe so you'll be alerted the next time that we have a podcast. We'd also love to connect with you on Facebook, on Instagram, or even our website, livingoutloud.today. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you will enjoy the show. Now it's time to get to know our next guest. Welcome to our May podcast. And guess what? I have a favorite thing I want to share with you this month. Allie, do you know what it is? I have no idea. It's always a surprise. Yes, it's in a bag. It's I'm excited. sitting on my lap. I love that you bring it every time. Thank Yours you. is always tangible. Mine's not. <laughs> well, sometimes, yeah, most of the time it is. Okay. But, okay, this is something that actually has been one of my favorite things for about a year and a half. Okay. I discovered it at a Christmas party with our ladies Bible study group. We did a party called A Few of My Favorite Things. And okay. so we had to bring... One of our favorite things, but we had to bring like three of them. Okay. So this is something that someone bought, and they drew my name, or I drew their name, whatever, I got their gift. Yeah. And so what I'm about to pull out, they had given me a smaller version of it. It was the first time I'd ever heard of it. Okay. And so I've been using it ever since. I try to make it last because it's not cheap. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's not right. like it's like something. It's a luxury thing. So it's not like a need. It's something right. like we get when an we extra can, when we can. Yeah. 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 Because sometimes okay. we run out. And we're like, okay, we might wait. Right. To get that. Right. Okay. You ready? Okay, I'm ready. You hear the coffee? Everybody hear the coffee makers in the back? We're in a coffee house. <laughs> yes. It adds the cool factor. Okay. Here we go. It's called Glamorous Wash. Oh. And this one is the Diva. Glamorous wash. Fine laundry detergent. Can I smell it? It's amazing. It is divine. Do you just wash your clothes with this? So <laughs> here's here's how oh wait, the thing's on it. I just Oh I smell it. You can? Yeah. Let me see. It smells so good. No, it's better than that. Oh. Let's take off this little foil thing. I actually just bought this new one. Yeah. For today, because we had run out like three months we're, ago. Okay, so we're gonna like, buy it. to get another one. So I got this one at the mustard seed. Okay. Um, which we love the mustard seed. There are different booths, and they have a booth that sells it. And so anyway, well, you asked if I just use it on our sheets. So we do use it, use it very sparingly. So we first used it on just mine and Lance's, and then our guest sheets. Yeah. And then our boys were like, I love That's that. So, so we use a little, so it, it does last because you just put it in like a little cap, a little goes along. Oh, okay, well, so that's good. Anyway, there's another one. You may, somebody may like it, but I really don't like it as much. This one is called Diva, and it's the one I like. Man, that smells good. Are you just saying that? No. Because you're pre- like. No, it really does smell good. Okay. It's very glamorous. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it does. That's a good one. It's a, but you know what? One. Like, I would have never thought about it. you definitely want your sheets to smell good. Yeah. So my family really loves it. Let me tell you why. Because for the most majority of our life, we have had Connor and Camden had eczema when they were little allergies. And yeah. so we have always had to have free and clear. Right. No scent. No scent. And so it's funny because when they go to their aunts, they're like, their clothes and their sheets smell so good. And yeah. Like, oh, we just want to like, and it's so, wish we could do that. So right. the last year or so, Two years, we've started using like even like gain, right? Um, just to Adding that a little in. bit, and yeah. they love it so much. So this is why this is this is, this is like awesome. such a luxury to them. That's like, awesome. We actually smell like our sheets smell good. It has a smell, you know. Yes. Um, because before it was just plain. Right. Right. That's good. That's good. Okay. Well, mine. It's not an actual like product. It is a. I don't want to call it like a method or something that. I have tried and tried and tried to find a rhythm for it's for meal prepping. Okay. And when I would meal prep like during the week before kids, it looked totally different because I had a lot of time. And now it's more just about dinner because breakfast is easy, yogurt, oatmeal, pancake, whatever. Lunch, pretty easy. My husband eats at work. And so 
turkey sandwich, salad, whatever. So, but dinner is important to me. I want dinner to be cooked. I want it to be a, a meal that I cook that we can sit together at the house. And I would always scramble and stress about not only what it was that I was going to make, but did I have the stuff for it? And then how much money did I want to spend each week on my recipes and yeah. meals? Because if you have a bunch of different ingredients, I mean, that adds up. And so I started the Walmart pickup, Kroger pickup, whichever one. And I started this method. I, I guess it's a method. I don't know a better word. But I get on my notes on my phone. And I have a folder that's called Meals for the Week. And then in that folder are smaller folders or notes. And I've titled, like, for example, one says Week 1. And then I look at our calendar for the week and see how many meals we're going to eat at home. Sometimes it's two, sometimes it's three, sometimes it's five. And I pick out what recipes I want to cook. That's through Pinterest, through recipes I already know, what sounds good, whatever. And I write down all four of those, or the, the names of them, and then the link of how to find it. Yeah. And then I just click on the link of the ingredients, add that to my Walmart or Kroger pickup, and then I know that for the following week, I have dinner in the place, I know what we're eating, and I know I have all the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's really helped me be able to kind of, that was a major stress thing for me, because yeah. I would get through the weekend, it would be a Monday, I would have to go to the store. I don't want to go to the store on yeah. Monday. Mondays are always just cram-packed, you know, mm -hmm. with things that pop up. And then if you wait until Monday, then you end up not having food for the weekend. So oh, you're yeah. eating out every meal. Yeah. And if you kind of plan ahead and say, okay, well, maybe this is, we're going to eat out two meals over the weekend. I need to have something for backup. And it's just really helped take the stress off me. Mm -hmm. And that's not something that I want to be stressed about is cooking a meal for my family. I want that to be something that is enjoyable. And that's really helped. So that's something that I've started doing. And then the cool thing is when you have it in your notes, you can get, I've gotten all the way up to week 10. Yeah. And then you can just start repeating. So you don't have to reinvent the recipes. You can go yes. back to week one. Because after 10 weeks, you don't um, remember what you yeah. did week one. Yeah. And so you just keep repeating. And then you have this massive file folder in your phone of favorite family recipes that you have. And you just pick and choose and add it to your grocery list and yes. go from there. That is so awesome. So, really, like preparation for meals yeah. for the week is really can make or break a week. Yeah, like, and it takes a little bit of time. But like it, nothing like meal prepping, putting vegetables. That's right. what I used to do. Yeah. Before, and I've started scheduling it on the Thursday, picking it up on the Friday mm -hmm. for the following week. Yeah. So that way, I enjoy my weekend. It's not weighing on me to go to the grocery store. Yeah. And I know some people, it, for them, it's just like, what do we want for dinner tonight? And on the way home from work, they're going to yeah. go to the grocery store. And that's fine. Right. But that stresses me out. Right. I'm well, like, whew, I've been thinking about that all day. I have definitely gone through seasons of, like, planning the whole month out. Yeah. And I love that. And But then there are seasons, like right now, we have ball games during the right. week. And and I think, like, as, like, your kids grow, you're going to see that there'll be that seasons changes. that you'll do that and seasons that you won't. But right. I think that you'll be the kind of person that will do it for the majority of the time. Well, I think a month would be hard. I definitely have to do it week by week. And one thing I've learned from by experience is to less less is more yeah. so if I think that we're going to eat at home four nights I probably really am just going to eat three yeah and they're cooked for three times right. because things pop up and so what you don't want to do is have all this extra food yeah that you're wasting but then sometimes I have a backup meal that just stays in place like some sweet potatoes and some vegetables in the freezer that I could throw together if we do need yeah. something that way I don't have to go to the store but it's not like a Glamorous. Yes. Not that these meals are glamorous. They're super no. quick and easy, but I mean, I like to be in the kitchen 30 minutes or less. Yeah. I so. love this. I can totally relate. There is something that you said that I can't relate to, and I was yeah. like, okay, um, when you said start over in 10 weeks, like if you have a picky friend, uh, family yeah, like that's mine, true. you're like, you have five meals that they love, and that's it. Right. You just repeat that like over yeah. and over, but it, it, unless you're eating out or whatever. Yeah. Well, some but, families will eat the same thing, like Tuesday night's lasagna, Wednesday night's pizza, and that works for them, and yeah. that's great, but I, I just haven't been able to do that. So when my boys were little, we I went through a season of, I love this, and sometimes I bring it back, but like I try, try to make it fun, like 
Taco Tuesday night, you right. know, or like, right. like it, it, it'd be our theme, and we kind of like, kind of fix it up, like, right. like Mexican, you know, or Italian night, or you know. Right. So anyway, it's so fun. It is. That's awesome. So our guest that we have coming up pretty quickly, one of her passions is marriage. Yeah. And I know that's our passion yes. too, and um, just learning how to better our marriage and encourage our friends who are married as well. And so one thing that I love is the classic five love languages, Gary Chapman, his book. And this is something that has been huge in my marriage, especially the beginning of my marriage, because what I found is that my husband and I would serve each other with our personal love languages and not the love language that the other person actually has. So for example, I, my love language, well, the five, okay, receiving gifts, quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service, and physical touch. And so currently mine in this season, because they change, mm -hmm. it, mine was acts of service. It is acts of service. And so when he, when my husband does something for me, cleans the dishes without me asking, or picks up the house, or makes the bed, like, I just feel so loved by him. Yeah. And so what I would do is my thing was because I wanted acts of service, I would serve him. So mm -hmm. I would cook these great meals, have the dinner t table set, have a candle lit, all of this stuff, which he loved. And he mm -hmm. was like, this is great. But he would much rather me greet him at the door and be like, hey, how was your day? And give him a hug. Yeah. And so I was giving him acts of service yeah. when he was more words of affirmation. Yeah. What about y'all? Well, I'll, we've been married almost 20, 30 years, so I think that, I think they've changed. I think, mm -hmm. like, some of them, like, one is definitely, like, the main one yeah. that we each have. Right. Um, but I always laugh and tell people, like, when people ask me now, I'm like, I think I love all of them. Yeah. And I feel like I've developed a little bit of all of them just yeah. because of life. Like, yeah, oh, that makes not, sense. Or, like, I'm not getting that, and I'm realizing I need that. Right. Where I don't think I used to. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, I, and I think that's just how we grow and sure. it's kind of like that. But that makes sense. Um, probably at the beginning, um, I don't know. I love them all. Um, I do think I, I do want to share this. The other night, um, you know, my boys, Lance is a great example um, of just, you know, loving me and showing our boys for their future wives one day. But um the other night it was really cold, um, abnormally cold, mm -hmm. and I was going to, I usually take um, Presley, our golden doodle, out right before we go to bed, and Lance, I mean, not that he wouldn't do it, we just love, like, we just pretty much take care of her, I mean, he plays right. with her, but, you know, there's enough people in our house that he doesn't have to really take her out, mm -hmm. and um, he took her out, and I was so thankful because I get so cold. Like, it was freezing. Yeah. And um, and it, it meant so much to me. I was just thinking, not because he does things like that all the time, but the right. next morning I felt led to, like, in our family group text with my our boys, yeah. all of our boys and him, to share that and acknowledge that to our boys. And this is what I said. I said, I just wanted to mention something Dad did for me last night, something he may not have thought much about, but to me it made me feel loved. It took Presley, he took Presley out for me in the really low, cold temperature. He did it without me asking. See, it's those little things being attentive to my needs as a husband that I appreciate so much. I know it wasn't something he probably felt like doing, but he did it anyway with a happy heart. So thank you, Lance, for showing me that you loved me last night by doing that. Thank you for being a great example, husband. Um, for our boys. And then I said, boys, one day when you get married, remember those little things do matter. Showing her and telling her, even if you don't feel like it. Mm -hmm. It's how Christ loves the church. And then I said, happy Tuesday. I love it. I don't always acknowledge everything he does because they can yeah. see and he's a great example. Right. But for some reason, I felt like impressed to do that because yeah. I wanted them to remember one day when you're a husband, mm -hmm. those little things do matter. Right. Because they're not going to always feel like doing that. But I think, you know, it made me feel loved, like he cared enough about knowing how cold I get. Exactly. Like, well, and also, <laughs> not only that, but it also affirmed Lance. Yes. Too. Yeah. And he wasn't looking for that. No. But in his heart, it's kind of like, oh, he noticed I did that for. Cool. You know, I mean, that's yes. for, for a man, like, 
Yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah. So that's awesome. Well, I can't wait for everybody to hear what Sarah has to say. She is a wonderful, wonderful woman of God and mother and wife. And so let's tune in and hear what she has. All right. Welcome. I want to introduce our next guest, Sarah Anthony. I have never met Sarah. Amanda has met her briefly. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I have looked on her blog and I am super interested in everything um, that she has on her blog because it's really relatable to some of the things I'm interested in as well. So I want to share just a little bit about her and then I'm going to get her the floor and let her, let her go for it. Um, so again, Sarah Anthony, she loves keeping things simple. Uh -huh, shout out to that. Right? Yeah. Working alongside her husband, Drew, and raising four children. I'm sure that is busy. And she is dedicated to, to sharing space and learning how to raise her teenagers, simplifying her home, and staying motivated through accountability. Welcome, Sarah. Yay! Okay, so I know Sarah, you mentioned that um, Lance and I, my husband and I, met um, her and her husband. A few years ago, we were at Windshape um, Marriage Adventure Training, where we were training to be a host couple to host these marriage adventure retreats, weekends. And so anyway, what I do know about Sarah is she and her husband are serious about marriage. Um, they don't want to just survive. They want to thrive in their marriage. So that's what I think about when I think of Sarah, but there's much more to her story. And so Sarah, we're just gonna let you share and then we'll ask you some questions. Awesome, yes, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, so I have Drew, I'm married to Drew. We've been married for 25 years and together we have four children um, and they range in age from 22 to 14. Wow. Uh, two girls and two boys, so yes, we. Um, it's definitely a, a full life and one that we have um, attempted to be intentional about. And so a few years ago, we actually downsized significantly the size of our home. Um, we wanted to just be able to live more simply. And our motivation for that was so that we could um, be able to not only experience more, but um, be more generous with the resources that we had. Um, and so that's been a motivation for us uh, in the midst of all that. My husband and I have gone into business together. Um, throughout our marriage, we've owned our own businesses at different times, and now we've started working together and we're flipping houses. So that's been quite an adventure. And then, um, as you mentioned, I've been a part of an accountability group, and that's just with some friends of mine. We have done that, oh man, almost five years now. And I, I really attribute that to some of the healthy habits that I've been able to create in my life that have um, allowed me to be a little more consistent with my intentionality with life. Wow. Well, I, I love how y'all have been intentional and those are so important, uh, important things to be intentional about. So how has it been for you guys downsizing? Has it been a huge change for your whole family? Has it been good or bad? Oh, good? So here's what's the interesting thing. We used to, as a family, sit and watch together um, like the, the tiny house shows. Yeah. And we would like joke around about, could we live in a house that small? And, um, and determined with six of us that it didn't really, it didn't really ever make sense, but it was an enjoyable thought. Um, and then I thought, well, typically they allot about 200 square feet per person, right? So if we allotted that for our family, we would be um, in about like 1200 square feet. And I'm like, oh, I started thinking about it and looking around at homes in our area that fit into that. And um, we, so we found one. It was in uh, quite disarray <laughs> and we were able to uh, fix it up and make it our own. Um, and so now we were in about 2300 square feet. We're down to right around a thousand square feet now. Um, and 
I will tell you, there was there was nerves about it for sure. We were we weren't totally certain that the that it would work, but um, but it has, and we love it, and it's been it's been going really really well. So. That's a big downsize, and it's funny. I think the reason I can relate so much and just feel kind of this connection is because that's something that my family has lived out. However, I don't have four children, so kudos to you. <laughs> that is a very big difference. Um, but those of the those of the listeners who have listened, I guess, throughout the last couple of months and know our know our story with the um, the camper. We moved out of our house. It was about 1,600 square feet, a little starter house for my family. Mm -hmm. And we bought a camper that was 29 feet long. And we moved our family there. Two girls, 19 months. Well, she's 19 months now, but she um, was pretty much, I mean, she wasn't even walking yet. Yeah. And so it was hard. I mean, my story is a little different. You're saying y'all were doing well. I could not wait to get out of that thing. (laughs) So, so yeah, that's incredible. And and the power of simplicity, I mean, that is huge. And I've learned, one thing I've learned in my life with that is that the best way to start decluttering, especially like internally, not just externally in your life, is to start with your circumstances around you. Mm -hmm. Like what is going on outside? How can you simplify that first? And then how can you dig deeper inside to simplify things but I, I mean I've known for me I've learned for me I actually have to start with the outside stuff because it's hard to function with clutter it's hard to function with stuff everywhere yeah stuff that we don't need um by the way I need to go and clean my closet out clean like, closet. I've, been, I've been like thinking about it for like a, like a while now and I'm like I just got to get in there and do it but my story is quite different and yeah. I think it's funny because um so Allie's talking about how she moved into a pamper and I don't know, we moved into a, a new house um, about four years ago. And right before that, I remember watching, it's funny that you say that, um, Sarah, because I was watching the little, what are they called? The little houses that you were saying? On tiny house. Yeah, the tiny home. The tiny house. I remember thinking, you know, if God called me to do that, I would be okay with it. You know, I mean, I'm sure I go through some times or whatever. I'm like, okay, that's, I love the idea of simplicity. And I remember telling Lance, you know, um, just talking about that. I was like, could we live? I mean, I really didn't think that we were going to live in a tiny home, but just thinking about the idea, idea of downsizing. And then I am not joking a week later. Um, Allie knows this story and I won't go into too much detail, but long story short, we were living in a house in a neighborhood and another house that was bigger than our house. Um, the owner of that had come to us asking us if we wanted to trade houses. (laughs) And I was like, absolutely not. Um, I don't care how great your house is. I just really had no desire to do that. I was content with my house. Long story short, we felt, um, led to pray about it because we're like okay well what if God's doing something here and God we went and looked at the house because after a week of praying God opened my heart to go in and looking at it and he gave me visions in that house of like I don't know if that's what you want to call it but I saw pictures of worship being led at certain certain places in that house outside of that house just ways that God wanted to use it for ministry mm-hmm. and yep. God uses apartments and tiny homes for ministry. It doesn't matter what size, but for some reason, um, like God led us to this house. And of course, you know, we paid the difference, but we got a great deal. Just the fact that we weren't going to have to sell our other house. So it was just kind of crazy. And I guess I'm telling you that to say it's, it's neat to see how God has us all in different seasons because even Lance and I talk about sometimes like one day God may call us to downsize and just, you know, go a different route. You just never know. So we're like, you know what, if we don't have this tomorrow, we are totally great. But while we do have it, we're going to use whatever we have big or small for the ministry. And anyway, it's been neat to see over the last four years, those visions come to life and it literally brings me to tears of just like okay this is what God showed me um, whenever I was looking at the house and here it is in reality 
Um, yeah, I just had to share that. I think it's neat, you know, because some different listeners listening to this, some may have God has called them to downsize some in a different place, you know, in this season of life. For sure. You know, one thing that came to mind when you were saying that is that um, it was something that I was a little more passionate about. My husband wasn't fully sure initially kind of a thing. And it was one of those things that I was like, if it, if the opportunity arises that we are able to find a house that fits, I want to be ready. And so I started um, going through every closet and I learned a lot about myself and about what I need and don't need. And so it was actually uh, that our former house was a prepping ground for what was to come. And it was also faith building because I was like, I want to be ready. And, um, and that, and, and that's what happened. So it was, it was cool to see. Yeah. Is there, before we move on, is there anything else you wanted to touch on of how you started fighting consumerism? I mean, because we live in a society that is constantly saying you need more, you need this, you've got to have this. And I mean, what did you do? Were there anything that you kind of established like rules in your family? I know for us, if we take, if we bring one thing in, we have to take one thing out. That's kind of what we started, but I mean, any, what did, what did y'all do? One of the things that I really appreciated in a book that I read, and it's by Jeff Schinneberger, um, it's called More or Less. And basically the questions that are asked are, how much is enough for you? And what will you do with your excess? And so it, it kind of personalizes it, right? It's not like, okay, well, this is enough for everyone, yeah. but it's okay. In this season of your life that you're in, how much is enough? And then when, you, and then if you, you have um, an abundance or some left over, then what are you going to do with that? How can it be a blessing? Um, and Jeff is a philanthropist and the, um, he's from Atlanta. And I just, I, that really has resonated with me throughout all the whole process. Um, and then now, as far as just some things that Obviously, being in a smaller home, we don't have as much space, and that really limits what can be brought in. So, yes, what you had mentioned with um, if something comes in, something comes out, which is great. And I've found, for me, it's great in theory. Sometimes I don't keep up with that. Right. So I've kind of implemented um, the way that I have, uh, like, my closet set up is that I have um, bins, and if something isn't very easily able to fit within these small kind of cube bins, then I know, okay, it's time for me to go through my closet. And, and then, and quite honestly, the closet would be a trickier one for me because I do enjoy shopping. The kitchen was super easy for me to downsize, honestly. (laughs) And I have not struggled there. (laughs) That's great. I know it's definitely a process and it can be a very overwhelming process, but it's one that uh, it's not only worth it, but just you learn so much about yourself and what you actually need, like you said. And then once you, what I found is once I actually decluttered, then I almost became obsessive about keeping it that way. Yeah. Because when, when we came home from Christmas last year, I had just decluttered my whole house. I had gone room by room, simplifying what do we need? What have we not used? Even things that I liked, I got rid of. And I just remember coming home from Christmas and having all this stuff. And I told my husband, and I said, don't unload anything. <laughs> I'm going to choose what we bring into the house and what goes to Goodwill because it's so overwhelming. So and I mean, that's. Well, I mean, and you think about, I'm, I'm just thinking about the kitchen as you talked about. Yeah. So like, you know, we got an Instapot last year. I'm still trying to figure out how all <laughs> that works. But um, just because I feel like I've got a, um, read all the directions to like, I don't know, maybe it's not that hard, but the first time I put <laughs> something in it, it didn't work out. So I'm like, okay, I really need to sit down. So I really haven't used it that much. And then we just got an air fryer because I keep hearing that that's like the best thing in the world. And I'm like, how many crock pots do we really need? Like how many sizes of crock pots? You know what I'm saying? It's right. like, it gets, it's, it, it's too much. Right. Well, switching gears a little bit, I want to learn more a little bit about your family. You're the mom of four teenagers. And I mean, adults, how, talk about how you're watching them walk into that grown up space, being grown ups, letting them go. How do you do that? Yeah. So as I mentioned, my oldest uh, is a girl and she's 22 
And then I have a 19, excuse me, a 20 year old son. And the two of them are in college and uh, are not living at home right now. Um, but of course we, we do have space for them in our small house when they come home for visits. Of course. Um, <laughs> um, and they are very welcomed. I miss them. Um, and then I have a son who just turned 16, got his driver's license last week. Um, that comes with its challenges and also its rewards. And then um, I have a daughter who is 14. So uh, one of the things that we, Drew and I, um, we were youth pastors in Michigan when, when we, um, early on in our marriage and did that for uh, many years. And um, I kind of noticed that as looking back in my life that that um, teenagers and impacting them and having an, an influence on their lives is kind of a thread that has been throughout um, both of our, our whole life. And, um, and so we, um, of course, when you're raising your kids and they're little and it's, there's a lot of um, mundane and, but the consistency of parenting when they're little um, it does pay off when they're teenagers. And I can honestly say that I truly enjoy my teenagers. I, I, I love this season that they're in. And I, not, I know that, um, you know, not all parents can say that and that, that there are challenges. And that's not to say that we don't have challenges. But, um, but I do feel like it's, it's kind of, you know, some, some parents really love like the, the newborn and some really thrive at maybe the, the grade school. And I would say, I feel like my sweet spot is the teenagers. I really do enjoy that time. I love having their friends over, which honestly, when my kids were little, I didn't love that so much, having the play groups at my house. I, I would go to other people's homes and I would see the moms like loving that. Right. And, um, and that just wasn't me. So it's just, you know, it's, it's, of course, we parent throughout all of the processes, but I do feel like this is a little bit of a sweet spot for us. And we're really enjoying our teenagers. Oh, that's sweet. And that's, that's encouraging for me because I have littles. How, and you kind of touched on that, but how it's different than parenting littles, you know, you, you have all the play dates and that kind of stuff. What have you learned now that you definitely did not know before? Um, I would say the um, the thing that I I've noticed with teenagers is that there there are topics that are going to be awkward to discuss with your teenagers. So obviously, an obvious one would be um, when they're when they're in a um, relationship um, and and wanting to and you're wanting to establish within them the consciousness of having high standards mm -hmm. and. Um, and I remember specifically like with my son when he started liking a girl and, um, and it, and, <laughs> and I said, son, I'm about to have an awkward conversation with you. And you can probably tell, tell in my voice that it's a little bit shaky because this is awkward for me, but we're going to keep having these awkward conversations until it's not awkward anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's been the biggest thing is just like having those conversations, even when it's uncomfortable and it feels like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I have to do this because the other thing is too, they're going to make it uncomfortable for you. Like it's right. not, it's not like they're going to help you out and be like, Oh yeah, that was so great, mom. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you would rather it be the awkward conversation with you than, than talk about it with somebody else. Absolutely. Wrong information. So yeah, I'm with you. You have to brace it. I yeah. have two teenagers and an eight-year-old who is learning things a lot earlier. And the one thing that I've always found is that it's just so important to start those conversations young. Like, you know what? You can talk to me about anything. Come talk to me. I, Dad and I are going to tell you the truth. You, if you find out things from your friends, you don't know that you're getting the right information. So always come to us. Don't just believe. And you want the truth to come from you. Um, you want them to get the right um, information. And so it is so important to start that young and just know that, look, nothing is too weird to talk about with us. We are not going to think it's crazy. Ask us anything. That's what God has put us here for. Your parents to help you and learn through life. And so Absolutely. I'm 
I'm with you. It's really been good so far. I've had great teenagers and I'm so thankful for that by God's grace. I do believe so far, not that they're perfect. No one's perfect. They have things to work on just like everyone else. But I will say that Lance and I have talked about this. It's by God's grace, but we've also been very intentional about those conversations when they were younger and keeping them going as they grew and as they're growing now. And so, you know, one of the best things, Lance and I, our son, one of our sons graduated in May, and he was was dealing with some things his senior year. And I just remember Lance and I looking at each other, him showing us things and asking our advice about it. And we were just like, this is the best thing ever. Like he does not have to come to us about this, but he is. And we were just thanking God for that, you know, and, and asking God to like help us to know how to keep being intentional with our other boys too, you know, so that that will continue. Absolutely. One thing um, that I'm curious about is marriage. I've, we're coming up on five years of marriage. So yeah. Kind of like newlyweds. I say we never entered the newlywed phase ever. Maybe one day we will. But yeah. you know, it's it's been a work, work, work since since we met in a good way. But I want to hear of your experience. How like how did you cultivate your marriage while your kids were young and then growing up? Now teenagers, I'm sure that really affects marriage. And uh, talk a little bit about that in those transitions. Sure. Well, as we mentioned earlier, I've been married for 25 years to Drew, and I would be remiss if I didn't give um, credit to the example that both of us had um, within our parents. Um, so we we saw healthy marriages, and um, and therefore had had did have that groundwork, which was a benefit to us. Not to say that it can't be done. I I have several friends that have. Um, have a different story, but that have beautiful marriages. Um, but that that's our story. And um, we, 25 years though, man, you got, it's got to be work, regardless of who your parents are. Like you got to work at it. Yeah. And, um, and so we have the things that we have been intentional about um, are that we spend time together um, just the two of us, as well as with friends. Um, we have been fortunate that throughout our marriage, when the kids were young, that his um, his parents would give us a week that we could have time, um, time away, just the two of us. Um, and again, I recognize that as a luxury for some, but just being able to, there were, there have been also times where we're like, you know what, we need to your dad and I need to have some time just to talk by ourselves and we're going to be in our room with the door shut. And that was one thing that we taught our kids at a young age. Like if the door is shut in our bedroom, you, you have to knock. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it was definitely one of those things where they would not always do that and come in and we'd be like, Oh, step back out. And they're like, yeah, but I can already see that. I, I already see you. I'm like, Nope, step back out, knock yeah. on the door. Yeah. So you know, obviously that, and then um, as they become older and not having to worry so much about the childcare aspect, um, we have made it um, dedicated uh, a weekly date night. And then, um, and even now um, going into business together, that has been just a whole new set of <laughs> exciting, but um, learning uh, challenges, I would say. <laughs> Well, I, I understand that my husband and I are in the process of flipping a house. I say flipping, we're not in, intending to resell it, but we are, um, I guess, renovating it from the ground up. Now, we're not doing the work. We have a contractor, but we are going to be doing some of it. And we learned early on in our marriage, one thing that we cannot do together is paint. <laughs> at all I mean I am a perfectionist but when it comes to painting I'm like oh it's fine we don't need to tape everything off and so working together is hard especially in a, a business like this where you're having to make a lot of decisions and yeah it's a risk I mean this type of business is definitely a risk because there's things that you get into that you don't foresee at the beginning so I'm sure that comes with some stress how do you separate that from 
your relationship in your marriage. I mean, you kind of have to have like a working relationship, I guess. And then, uh, yeah. And then your marriage, cause you don't want it to yeah. all be about business. You know, you right. want to separate that. So tell us, give us your wisdom on your situation. <laughs> How are you guys doing this? <laughs> well, I will say, I feel like it's still a little fresh. And so, um, I owned my own photography studio. I had that for 14 years. And Drew um, has run his own business for um, for many years as well. So we've all, we've all, both been our own boss. Um, so now, kind of coming together and figuring out, like, okay, who makes the final decisions on that? Who who's gonna call the shots on this particular aspect and things like that? And I think for sure, finding um, who does what role is is obviously vital and helpful. And then being able to shut that down and have just us time um, as well as our family time and being able to separate the two for sure. Yeah, that's, that's so good. Great advice. It is. I mean, I'm so Allie shared her like what they could do together. So Lance and I, we are completely different personalities. So the way I would approach a situation is completely different than he would. Um, but I respect his way and he respects mine. And, um, you know, we balance each other out in the home. We, we learn from each other that that is much different than like a business business. So we have um, a business and he runs and is the operator of that. And I do help with some things, you know, some things, but like the main things, I trust him. He is that is why he is in that position, but I don't have to be there for every step of the way because I would probably want to kind of like help him change every way he did it. And that's not necessary. So we've kind of learned, you know, that's why he's in that position. Yes, I can give him advice on that when he wants it. <laughs> um, and he does listen to that. And the same thing with me, what I do, you know, he can share his wisdom on that and our ministry and all that. But this is the position that God's put me in. So I can help with our business together, but he's the one that is the one running that. And so it is, it's good to like learn. Um, we're on the same page in life about the most important things. And that's what matters. Um, but when it comes to business stuff, we've learned like where those boundaries are. And I think that's important, you know, boundaries and everything that we do and, and, you know, relationships and, um, and, and work. But I think it's really cool when uh, married people can actually do that together because not everybody can, yeah. you know, like you guys are doing it and it sounds like you're thriving in it and it's new, but you're still doing a great, great job with it. So when I think it takes time to learn, I mean, I, I look back on our first year of marriage and a lot of our arguments and frustrations came from expectations that we had of each other that were silent that we didn't express to each other but they were expectations of roles and so a silly example is taking the trash out oh yeah like that was <laughs> a husband's job like I mean I would bag it up and I would sit it by the door but that was his job in my head I don't know why I don't know if that was just displayed or that's just what I thought I would cook but he takes out the trash and so every time he would leave it sitting there or not put a trash bag back in the can, I would get so frustrated. Yeah. And so learning how to communicate and learning how to say, okay, what is my role, whether it's in a business, in a home, what is something that I'm going to be responsible for? And not that you can't share in that task. I mean, I take the trash out now too, but it's kind of like, what are these expectations that we have? Are they realistic? Are they not? Let's talk about it. And it takes time to kind of find your group. I mean, yeah. And sure. it's encouraging hearing y'all who y'all have been married much longer than I have, knowing that you kind of start to figure that out over yeah. time and it becomes more of a rhythm until you have a different change or, you know, your season in life changes. Yeah. I think that like, so we've been married 23 years, just a few years behind Sarah, but um, like with you being married, is it five years? Almost. Mm -hmm. Okay. So almost. Yeah. Um, you guys are getting a head start. Y'all gotten to hear a lot of like, we started this podcast. I feel like you've gotten a lot of like, um, we're getting to learn from everyone's mistakes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like we were kind of like just learning as we went. And I'm like, where are all of our examples? Like, right. right. <laughs> but, that's awesome. Well, before we close, there's something I, I want you to talk about, Sarah. And that's the accountability part that I read in the introduction. 
And you've been a part of the accountability group for five years now. And I know personally in my life, the accountability groups that I've been in have been life changing. So share how that has affected you and maybe one thing that was most effective for you creating habits in your life. Yes. Um, accountability is something that I actually and creating positive habits is something that I am pretty passionate about. And the reason is, is because I've seen the effect this effectiveness of it. Um, I feel like I have um, always had great intentions, but never excellent execution. And being a part of an accountability group, so how we work it is that um, we have a conference call-in every other week and the um, weeks in between, then we do an email. So we're connecting at the same time every week Nothing gets scheduled during that time. Um, it's We consider it as important as a, a doctor's appointment. Um, we get onto that conference call, and I have to report to someone how I did on the goals that I set for myself. And, um, and it comes from, um, basically, we take the time to sort of, okay, big picture, picture, what do I want my life to look like? And then how do we break that down into smaller, tangible, weekly, um, goals and what, what that would look like. So for instance, we'll just take a simple one of, of exercise. Um, for me, it was something that I enjoyed doing, but when I really looked at how often I was working out, like if you would have asked me and I said, Oh yeah, I consistently work out three days a week. Well, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday is when I work out. But then, um, if it was raining or if a, my friend couldn't meet me, well, the reality is, is that it was, I was probably more consistent with one to two days a week. But if I have an accountability group and I'm calling into them, I have to be, I have to say, actually, I only, I hit them, you know, I, I said I was going to do it three days a week and I only did it once. That, that's, it's a humbling experience <laughs> to have to do that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then sometimes we do have to like embarrass ourselves to get ourselves moving. Yeah. And, um, and so I, I mean, obviously for me, it's been um, a f five years and we've, there have been three of us that have been consistent over the five years. And then, wow. um, and then one per, uh, then some people that kind of come and go throughout different phases of their, of their life. But, um, I would say for me too, as well. And again, I'll use the working out example that, um, when I became very consistent with three days a week, it was enjoyable for me to add on another day. And now I'm, I'm at the gym at the same time, Monday through Friday, like that, that is consistent. Mm -hmm. And to the point where I actually don't even have to report on that anymore, because that is something that is so much a healthy habit in my life that, um, it's not up for debate. It's just part of who I am. Yeah. Um, exactly. and then obviously there's a lot of other areas. We have goals that, and you can pick and choose with, within our group, like what you want to focus on, but everybody has goals that they want to reach within their kids. So, um, you know, we can say that we're spending individual time with our kids, but if, if we're not intentional about it, we're not setting aside the time, there can be months that go by and you realize, I haven't really like sat and looked at just you, child, <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and what's going on. And, and so I think it just, it basically, what I feel like an accountability group does is that it takes the things that are most important to you but that often get sidestepped for like urgent things um, and makes them a priority. So it's your, your marriage, your family, your health, your spiritual walk with God. Um, and that for me has been one of the most rewarding is my morning quiet, quiet time routine. Um, that that's a game changer. If you can establish a, um, a consistent morning quiet time, time with God and getting quiet before him, I'm telling you, it'll change your life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's so important. Accountability is crucial. I love that you're all about that. Well, and those are great practical tips of how to start and how to actually execute. Like you said, uh, I think one of my pet peeves, which I don't mean to be hypocritical because I fail at this very often. But one thing that I've realized, I think that probably has come out in my marriage, and I had a conversation with my husband last week about it, is when, um, almost when you 
your intentions are good, but you don't follow through or like I'm depending on somebody or myself to do something and it doesn't get done because the way that my mind works before I say that I'm going to do it, I've already played out how, when, what space it's going to go into all of that before I say yes. Now I used to not be that way, but now I am. And so I guess I have that expectation that I want everyone else to be that way too. And so, especially in my marriage, and so sometimes I'm like, you said you were going to do it, why didn't you do it? And I'm not good about always giving grace, and that's where I definitely have to work in my relationships, but also with myself and developing a habit, because, I mean, they say, what, 30 days doing it over and over to even develop a habit, but still, it takes much longer than that, I think. Oh, for sure. I'm a slow learner. It took me way longer than 30 days, let me just tell you that. The, the missing piece is the accountability, I feel like, is the checking in of the people that you know love you, that can speak words of truth without offense and say, hey, this is what you said you were going to do. Why didn't you do it? Mm-hmm. And that, I feel like, is the missing piece that so many people um, don't put into place when they're trying to develop a new habit, especially with exercise, with anything really. Um, tell us a little bit about where we can, where our listeners can find you, more information, contact you. I know you have a blog. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Um, so it's the same on the both platforms. It's simply Sarah Anthony, Sarah without an H. And um, so I'm on Instagram actively there as well as my blog. And I will say that if you subscribe to my blog, you'll instantly get an email that walks you through how to set up an accountability group um, and, and things to look for and how to do it, all the, the step-by-step. So super helpful. Um, and then the information on my blog is, tends to be a practical application for just the things that I have found that work well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm passing it on. Okay, well, I'm doing a test run for our listeners who might not be tech savvy. When we get onto your blog, simplysarahanthony.com, how would you subscribe? Does that pop up or do we get... So it's um, at, the, at the end of every article. So each entry, the bottom of it is a subscription option. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you, Sarah, for um, sharing with us today and sharing your wisdom and um, all the encouragement that you are sharing every day on your blog with just the world. We appreciate it. Thank you. It's fun.